Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into the Lucas Baseball Podcast Special Solo Podcast Edition. Uh, it's your host here, Lucas Beery. Uh, I'm going to be doing a solo podcast here on uh, mid-range to in-game starting pitching, and it's going to be an express edition. It's going to be able to—we're going to be able to fly through it here. And I just wanted to try to lay out some of my thoughts on some uh, starting pitching uh, that'll be <clears throat> available for Fab Leagues. And I'm going to start with the last guys first to kind of get that going here. And I've kind of categorized players in different bins since we're going to be touching up on a lot of starters. So my Fabapalooza guys, the guys that I'm going to be looking out for in Fabapalooza, and uh, I might be stashing early if they're showing good metrics and having a good year. But we're looking here at Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller. I think Gavin Stone's draftable in a Fab League. Hold on to him and see what happens. I probably wouldn't stash him because stashing is tricky in NFBC. Uh, it'll really just limit you. But Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller are two guys that are going to be worth a lot of money in the Fabapalooza market once that goes down. Uh, Dre Jamison from the Arizona Diamondbacks, that's another guy that you're going to want to keep your eye on. And a couple of more here. Uh, Andrew Painter, based on how his uh, throwing goes once he comes back. And Ricky Tiedemann, I love Tiedemann's stuff. The age is my only concern because, you know, he needs he needs to advance a little bit further through the the, uh, the minor leagues, uh, Tiedemann, but I do love this stuff, and I even was able to draft him in, in NFBC Draft Champions uh, recently, which was nice to have that uh, potential guy to be able to pop through. But, yeah, he only has 11 innings above high A, so you got to be cautious on him. Last but not least, another Fabapalooza guy here that I like, I, lo- lo- I love him, is uh, Luis Ortiz with his big stuff. Uh, keep an eye on Luis Ortiz. Um Spencer Turnbull of the Detroit Tigers is a player that you're going to want to keep your eye on. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery, uh, and his skills are good enough to be able to be a streamer at home in Detroit. Uh, So you're going to want to keep your eyes on him. Decent skills, not going to go crazy about him, but good home ballpark, and he has opportunity. Can't argue much more than that. Uh, Brian Bayo is a player that has injury concerns, so I haven't drafted him because he had an inflamed forearm that just kind of gives me some serious pause. But, uh, you know, Highly skilled arm. He's a good player, and uh, his injury seems to be somewhat minor, but in the meantime, I was worried about him. But he looks like he'll be ready to go. Um, As far as the next guy here on my list, Lance McCullers Jr. He actually has been, I wouldn't quite call it a throwing program, but he's been throwing, so I guess it is technically a throwing program. 
but they're going to want to build him back up. They owe him a lot of money, and he's going to have a guaranteed rotation spot when he's healthy. I uh, was able to grab him in the 27th round in my uh, you know, famous Chicago draft, so of course I, I don't mind a real cheap dart. I probably wouldn't pick him any earlier than that because you might need to cut bait with him if he regresses and has a setback, but I don't mind Lance McCullers. Great team and good strikeout rate. Uh, the ratios are not as good as you would expect, but he's a decent player. And speaking of ratios, uh, Cole Irvin uh, at home in Baltimore. Uh, you can start him against certain bad teams. I wouldn't start him against the Yankees. And I would have second thoughts against the Blue Jays, but maybe against the Rays or uh, if the Red Sox look to be weak. I, I do like Cole Irvin. Uh, Baltimore has some, some sort of secret stuff that's working well for their for their pitchers, and I, and I like that, Cole Irvin. David Peterson. Uh, David Peterson and Tyler McGill are, are two very interesting pitchers that are battling it out for that New York Mets fifth rotation spot <clears throat> and McGill I like I like McGill's stuff he has a big fastball and a big slider so he's going to be able to dominate right-handed batters but he's not very good against lefties so that's a big red flag for me and Peterson just needs to clean up that control I prefer Peterson I think he's a little bit more uh, polished uh, as of today personally but I've actually seen Peterson out on waiver wire, and Fab will be running this Sunday. Uh, I would recommend if you need a starter, I would throw 50 to $70 on Peterson if he's announced into that rotation. If it's still murky, I'd probably go into that 30 to 40 range, and that might not get him. Uh, that's somewhat conservative, but you know you don't want to go absolutely out, out of your mind here. Um, Ryan Nelson, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, he has absolutely huge stuff, big fastball can dominate hitters in the zone with that if he's, uh, you know, firing bullets. Uh, he does have some walk issues from time to time, but I do like Ryan Nelson's big fastball, and I trust that stuff, so I'd like a, a cheap speculative play on him. <coughs> uh, Clark Schmidt. Uh, Clark Schmidt's been the talk of the town here in the preseason. Uh, he's a very interesting little player. Um, he's going to have that guaranteed rotation spot in New York for a while. Uh, I think that if he's pitching well, they're going to keep him in there over Domingo Herman. Um, he's added he's added a few pitches, uh, you know, this spring. Clark Schmidt and he's had, he has some good breaking balls, uh, and he's going to be able to rack up some wins for you. Now, ADP of 220, way too rich for my blood. But if you can get him, you know, 280 to 320, I think that that's worth worth a decent gamble there with a good old Clark Schmidt. Uh, Michael Walker uh, talking about a guy that nobody really wants, but somehow gets it done. Uh, the metrics are not friendly to him. He he got lucky last year in Boston, but he was effective. And if you pick him up, he's going to be on a contending team, so that'll help the wins, and you'll be able to start him against the San Francisco Giants and uh, against the Colorado Rockies on the road. I wouldn't start him against the Dodgers. Um, and uh, you can use them against the Diamondbacks, too. So you can use them against three teams in that division and at home against other weaker teams. So I actually do like Michael Walker, even though the skills aren't amazing. I think they're good enough for him to be a, around a 4 ERA and get some wins for you. And if you use them at home, you're going to be able to lower that ratio mark. Uh, Brandon Fott, uh, he was actually demoted uh, back to the minor leagues, which is kind of surprising to me, honestly. Um, I'm I'm careful of prospects getting demoted. I know they can get demoted really quickly, and uh, even a guy like Anthony Volpe might get demoted. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's just the way it is. 
So Fott being demoted after being a strikeout king in the minor leagues and huge inning workload, surprised. You know, surprised to see that. But I have him in my Chicago league, and I'm going to hold on to him, uh, at least for a little while. Um, he's not an automatic drop for me. I think he has 10K per nine upside if he gets called up, and you can't find that on waivers. And uh, I, I like Fott. Uh, Four-pitch mix, that's just seems to work seems to work pretty good for the kid and um, like I said had a big big workload in the minor leagues uh, kind of flying through it a little bit quicker here uh, Graham Ashcraft <clears throat> Ashcraft has a lot of potential due to his elite velocity uh, but he needs to use that slider a little bit more that'll enhance his swing and miss and you, you can't start him every start out because of his home park you can't start him if, you know, for example, the Cardinals come to town. But he's a really cheap ad and is a player that could change his true talent level. So that's nice, given his elite velocity. Uh, Ross Stripling last year was a guy that really just used what worked for him great, which was that premium changeup. One of the best changeups in the game, kind of like a poor man's uh, Tyler Anderson. And the walk rate just so low at 3.7%. That's probably not going to stick, but if you give a, if you get a 5% walk rate, as long as his batting average against doesn't skyrocket too much, you're looking at a premium whip for for a starter in this range. He's probably a 110 whip, I would say. Uh, and again, home home park, be able to stream him there like you would with Waka, and I like Ross Stripling as a nice $1 pitcher in an auction league. I think that's great value there uh, for Stripling. <coughs> My highest rostered player, uh, Steven Matz. Uh, Matz was highly unlucky last year when it comes to the ratios. Um, he deserved a much better fate, in my mind, and dealt with a knee sprain and also missed, missed time with other ailments. So he couldn't quite get into a groove. The metrics showed that he pitched much better than, <clears throat> than, his, uh, than his actual ERA provided him, and he has an elite defense behind him, elite park. He's an automatic against the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Chicago Cubs, the Cincinnati Reds, the Milwaukee Brewers. Don't scare me. Uh, highest rostered pitcher, Steven Matz. Uh, happy to plant my flag on him. You see, it's it's easy to get this guy as your highest rostered pitcher because he's not sexy. People aren't really chasing after him too much, although his draft stock has risen quite a bit in the main event. So, uh, uh, you know, I believe about 75 to 100 picks in some main event leagues compared to his traditional ADP. So... Steven Matz for the Cardinals, I think, is a profit center for me. Uh, Patrick Sandoval is another interesting guy if you want a big strikeout arm. The whip, obviously, is going to scare some people off, and it scared me off at times uh, throughout the winter with, with certain drafts, but you've also got to admit that he could easily get better. I think as far as your projections, if you want to look at a strikeout per frame and about a 1.25 whip with about a 3.8, 3.9 ERA, that's useful. Uh, I do believe that the Angels will have a six-man rotation, uh, so you've got to slightly factor that in, but I think that's baked into the ADP, and I think if you're looking for strikeouts on a per-inning basis, uh, I think uh, Patrick Sandoval is worthwhile there. Uh, another player that's similar to my Stephen Matz call, uh, Alex Wood, another really interesting little arm because he's overlooked. Uh, he's quite cheap, usually goes in that 325 to 350 range, and if you look at his numbers, uh, he's being discounted due to a bloated uh, ERA. Uh, if you look at his FIP, it was at 3.76, and as far as uh, his Sierra, it was at 
uh, his strikeouts minus walks were literally right in line with his, uh, you know, career peak of 18%. That's where he's been in some of his best years. He's been in the league since 2013, so a big sample size there. But he's typically an 18% K to BB guy when he's fully healthy and good. Bad Giants defense is not going to change with Brandon Crawford not getting any younger, but if you want a guy that you can start in a lot of weeks or a handful of weeks, probably half half or more of his weeks, I like Alex Wood a lot at his ADP if you want that kind of stabilizing starter. Getting into more of the 10-team league guys here, Sonny Gray is another player that I think in my mind Sonny Gray disappointed a lot of fantasy managers. Injuries riddled his season last year, but... <clears throat> He's cheaper than he has been in quite a long time. Uh, the skills are still pretty strong in terms of uh, his K to BB. I mean, they're still they're still pretty decent, and he gets good strikeouts for you. Um, previous years, thirty one percent, twenty seven percent. Last year, he was at that twenty four percent mark, which is still okay. You know, it's you'll you'll be able to take it. And Sonny Gray is a is a pitcher that I think uh, has upside to pitch you 150 innings, get you 160 strikeouts with about 10-12 wins on a decent team. You'll be able to stream him against the Royals. You'll be able to stream him against the Tigers. Um, and I think he has a decent offense backing him in a good bullpen, so I do like Sonny Gray at that ADP. <clears throat> Another Gray here, John Gray. He's a guy that, in my mind at least, I thought that he was going to get quite a bit more buzz coming out of Coors Field. It seems like the market was not as into him in the second year at a course, even though the first year at a course last year, uh, he had a great strikeout rate and he had a very good 1.13 whip, which obviously that's not quite elite, but that's banging on the door of, of excellent. Strikeout rate of 26%, excellent. Health is an issue for him, so you'll have to factor that in, excuse me. Sorry about that. I need to grab a quick glass of water there. But with John Gray, uh, you're getting a great strikeout rate. You're getting a great home ballpark. Uh, he showed off a good whip. Give him another year out of Coors Field, and I think John Gray is going to soar for your fantasy team. Sorry about that. Quick pause there. One of the biggest risers in my mind uh, of the spring training season is Tyler Molly. Another player, we were desperate to see him get out of his home venue. Uh, we were begging for him to get out of Cincinnati. And now that he's out of there, it seems like all the drafters were focused on was that shoulder, which I completely understand. It's important to be risk-averse as much as we can on injuries. Uh, but with Tyler Molly, I mean, we're looking at a potential 10.5K 10, 10 per nine guy. This is a player that in 180 innings in 2021 – he, he was able to rattle you off 210 big strikeouts. I mean, that's just electric. Uh, I know Rob DiPietro, the great deadpool hitter, has made the point, how many times in our leagues are we down 20, 30, 40, 50 strikeouts? And packing them on in bulk here with Molly would be crucial if he's healthy. Seems healthy so far. Guy has a big fastball that plays up in my mind, and I'm all over him. He also got unlucky last year too, so you're getting a discount on that bloated 4.4 whip or 4.4 ERA, excuse me, because of his lower Sierra, his lower XERA, and his lower FIP. So I think that Molly is a great pick, and I honestly could see him going in the 200s uh, in a lot of main event drafts. Uh, as far as Grayson Rodriguez, this is another guy that we don't quite have that MLB data on, and I know people are worried that he's only going to throw you four innings per start. 
which would which would hurt obviously it would hurt greatly on his uh, on his productivity but in my mind he could take a jump into being a sp2 production and potentially could come up and provide that Shane McClanahan level impact I could see a 10k per nine and I think even if he's only giving you four innings five innings I think he could be so good on a per pitch basis that he's a must start in fantasy so I, I do like J- Grayson Rodriguez if I have enough bulk in front of him. He's ideally an SP4 for me. I have a, a league that he's an SP5. That feels amazing. Um, and anyways, I think that Grayson Rodriguez's talent deserves uh, deserves your attention. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, another really interesting ratio guy and win guy for the St. Louis Cardinals. I love these types of players that are just so safe, productive, and solid. Uh, unlikely to burn your fantasy team, and I'm not going to count on any upside for more, but he could unlock a level slightly above this, and at worst you're getting a really good floor. And whenever I say he could unlock a level, I mean he could have a good fortune in wins. He could he could stay fully healthy and, and not uh, miss too many starts. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to become a frontline guy, but it could just all click for him, and uh, he either provides extra volume or gets gets uh, fortunate when it comes to the big wins in St. Louis. Love that team. Love going after their starters. If you've listened to me, you know that for sure. Uh, Chris Bassett, and a player that's velocity has been down and certainly is a, a slight concern there. But at the same time, looking at the body of work for Chris Bassett, I mean, this guy has been unbelievably consistent. Uh, he's also going to a team that is going to provide him some good wins. So he did not lose when he went from the Mets, the Blue Jays have improved up their bullpen a little bit. And every year since 2018, Chris Bassett's been strong in ERA. Uh, strikeout per inning is not there. He's at more of the 8K per 9 guy, but he, he gets you a good amount of bulk. The only injury he suffered last year was when he, he got, uh, you know, hit with a comebacker. So shouldn't be too much of a concern for me with Chris Bassett, and I'm all over him in drafts in that 160, 150 range because he's he's just a, a volume guy who is has good skills too, so I like that. Now Joe Ryan is a player that ironically enough I I you know I don't really quite have a huge take on. He's kinda just there, you know. I I I've taken him in a best ball league where he seemed like he was one of the best pitchers available and he's kind of good but he doesn't particularly excite me. Now he did add some bat missing pitches uh, this off season, so it'll be quite intriguing to see how that split finger and that slider will play up for Joe Ryan. Uh, a lot of the times, I we like to read about these new pitches, but they don't always manifest. I mean, Logan Gilbert added a new splitter. We'll see if that changes anything. He's already good. Joe Ryan's already good. Feel free to draft him if you need a starter, but for me, not a huge target, not a fade. Just kind of a decent starter that you could pin back to. Now, Nathan Uvalde is a huge target for me, and in fact, I have him ranked very highly uh, as far as my my article on DC Dynasty for starting pitching. I've got him at 47. Uh, When Uvalde is healthy, he's just a beast for fantasy. He's well over a strikeout per inning. Uh, He provides you a solid, useful whip, and he oftentimes goes deep enough into the games to be able to get you the wins that you need, and he's getting a ballpark upgrade going from Fenway Park to Texas, and the velocity is up in the spring, so I am all over this guy. He's going 100 picks cheaper, and he's getting a ballpark upgrade 
and the velocity looks good. So to me, that 100 pick discount compared to last year's price, uh, you know, doesn't make sense. Carlos Rodon, I have him ranked very low because I'm pretty risk averse when it comes to injuries. And Carlos Rodon had a forearm scare, which scares me because he had shoulder issues in about six out of the previous seven years before, uh, you know, coming into this year. So for me, I'm completely out on Carlos Rodon, don't have a single share. And I don't care that he's cheaper now because in my mind, the risk is still there for a player that dealt with some colossal injuries in the past. And although his skills put him in my mind as a top five, top three pitcher in all of baseball, you weren't getting a discount in that second round. And I don't think that this forearm injury is going to magically go away. It could work out for drafters. It could be no big deal. But for me, why take a player with some risk when I don't have to? Uh, speaking of risk here, Lucas Giolito uh, littered with risk last year. He he pretty much sunk a few of my teams, even though I was able to cash with him still. So that was pretty nice. But uh, only third place, so can't go too crazy there. But Giolito had a year from hell last year. And despite that, still provided you almost 10K per nine. So that was good to see <clears throat> the diminished velocity was, was pretty much the biggest key, and, and he's making some changes. Um, I know that he's kind of changing up his arm slot a little bit, and he's getting into better shape, uh, shedding off some of that excess weight that uh, a tall guy like him carried around. And for me, a guy who's been a frontline starter for three consecutive years, uh, seeing one bad year is not enough to scare me away especially because if you actually look at his underlying metrics, he was unlucky. He should have been in the high threes uh, for his year last year. So he definitely does have some risk. I'm not going to disagree if someone feels that way, but I think that as far as bulk strikeouts, we've seen this guy be frontline elite before. I think he just had a had a down year. That happens in guy's career. If you look at someone like Marcus Simeon, you know, he's had a down year. Uh, there, there's all sorts of players that you can look at and, just identify having a down year. Sonny Gray had a down year in New York Yankees, so it just happens sometimes, and, and I'm willing to overlook it with Giolito, who has frontline starter stuff. Another guy that has frontline starter stuff on a per inning basis is Dustin May. The innings workload, I will admit, is starting to seep into a factor into my mind, but the Dodgers do need to push this kid. Uh, he's going to be 26 later on this year. He does not have that starter's workload built up, but this the the Dodgers would like him to become at that point, and I think they're going to try to push him to 120 to 140 innings. Obviously, if he blows his arm out, he's going to be he's going to go to the injured list. But I think that they're ready for him to take that next step, and I think they're going to push him to the 120 140 inning range, which uh, it's not impossible to do. So I like Dustin May. I think he has premium stuff, and he started missing more bats before the Tommy John surgery came. Uh, so I do like Dustin May, uh, but I'm also not sticking my neck out for him, even though his stuff would demand it. There is some risk with his innings pitch workload. Uh, a few guys here, and I'm about to be wrapped up. So Luis Garcia of the Houston Astros, a guy who's a premium wins machine, a guy with some swing and miss stuff, and a player that has uh, an elite context uh, surrounding him from an offense and a great defense behind him. And in, in my mind, I still think that Luis Garcia is quite underrated. And unfortunately, many drafters feel the same way because I I tried to wait till that, 250, till that 150 range to get him, and I missed him a few times. I 
Then I tried to push him up into the 130 range, and I missed him a bunch there. And, man, I just – I hate missing out on him because I had him a lot last year. And even though he had that 3.72 ERA, he gave you that full strikeout per inning. He gave you 15 big-time wins and just 28 starts in a 113 whip. And, by the way, he just turned 26 a few months ago. I think there's another gear for Luis Garcia in the tank, and the floor is already really good. So, for me, he's – a great value. So I'm all over Luis Garcia of the Houston Astros. Another player that I was really high on in the winter and just have continued to feel that way is Jeffrey Springs. As far as based on the metrics of the contact rates and the, and the swinging strike rates, uh, Springs is absolutely elite. One of his few struggles is actually against left-handed batters, oddly enough. He just has not quite developed that game plan uh, to be able to combat same-handed hitters, which is which is pretty crazy. Because usually lefties will dominate the lefties and try to manage against the righties. But he dominates the righties with a huge, big elite changeup <clears throat> and a developing slider and a, and a good enough fastball. My only question for him is, is how is he going to hold up over 150, 160 innings? But I like the I like the underlying metrics quite a bit for Springs, and I have no hesitation drafting him, and he's been a big target for me. It's just that he is a converted reliever, so my question is, is how is he going to hold up over a bigger workload? And I suppose we're going to find out, but no problems with him. I'll be brief with Nestor Cortez, a, a pitcher on the New York Yankees that did really good last year and has a very unorthodox approach with about a 91-mile-an-hour fastball and limits the walks and limits the home runs. Based on his statistics, it looks like a real kind of breakout at age 27 for Nestor Cortez, but this is a definitely a weird profile. As Ryan Venancio has laid out, he's mentioned that it's a strange profile. And for me, I just I want a more traditional profile that I find to be sustainable. Um, he kind of has a Johnny Cueto situation where he changes up his wind-up, changes up his approach, and just kind of keeps the timing off. If this guy's able to do it again, I'll be more interested for next year, but I could see I could see him step back even though the metrics were good. Um, it's just such a weird kind of profile that I just I want to see it happen again before I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is with Nestor, even though he, is, he looks to be good. I just want to see it again. Um, and two other guys that I think could honestly rise up quite a bit up draft boards for next year. Two two younger pitchers that were both in the Milwaukee Brewer system. We'll start with Drew Rasmussen. Uh, this is a guy that really, really avoids the barrel quite well. A uh, hard hit rate of, of 37%. That's a very strong number and hardly gives up any free passes either. So he just does not keep, does not give up the damage. Uh, only a 5% walk rate is very strong for Rasmussen and fairly good at limiting the barrels. Um, I think that what you're seeing with Rasmussen is already a very solid and usable floor, and I think that he could elevate into a new level if he's able to induce more swing and miss on his slider. But he's a slider cutter. You know, he'll throw a good fastball in there from time to time at 96, 97, 98 plus. Keeps the hitters off balance. Hard to hard to get a barrel off with Rasmussen. Uh, so he's more of a contact mitigator at this point in his career, but I think that there's a chance he could level up. I prefer Springs because I think Springs today has more swing and miss in that arm, but I like Rasmussen as well, and I love the Rays situation outside of the uh, length of games, but great bullpen. Offense that's better than people expect in a good home park. So I like him. 
Now, my last player here that I'm going to talk about, uh, for those that have made it through uh, to the end of the podcast, uh, Freddie Peralta is a big arm for me that I really like. He was going in the third, fourth, fifth round in some drafts last year, and it was based on an elite 12K per nine and just really dominant stuff. I mean, as far as batting average against in 2021, that was his last fully healthy year where he eclipsed 140 innings. He had a he had a 164 batting average against. I mean, this guy is unhittable. Uh, even last year, which was a quote-unquote down year, and it was a down year, don't get me wrong, but he still had a 27% strikeout rate with a 104 whip and a 358 ERA. Now, there is some certainly some innings questions, but I do find that a 26-year-old pitcher that is locked up under team control for several more years on a very smart pitching team, and this is the first time that this shoulder issue's cropped up, to my knowledge, I think that this can be a resolvable injury-prone guy. And uh, I've scooped him up in a handful of drafts, and I think that he has upside to become an SP2 for you, and he's going at like an SP3, SP4 price if you invested heavily in pitching. So uh, I truly hope that uh, folks that listen to this were able to get some good starting pitching knowledge. Uh, Lou was uh, tied up tonight, so he couldn't record, but we wanted to drop something out there for the listeners. And again, feel free to check out my content at dcdynasty.co. Really, again, I appreciate anybody that listens to us. We're going to have you set up really good for fab this year. I'm going to have a fab article that's dropping every Sunday. I'm going to have a week zero fab article that'll be dropping out this weekend. So again, thank you for listening so much and Uh, We'll be hopefully helping you out all year long with your fab and any other sort of uh, bonus episodes that we come out with across the way. But take it easy and have a good night.